Welcome to the Simply Resilient Podcast, episode number 41, Growing Through Challenges. My name is Jesse Ellertson, and I am a life coach and a military wife who is in the trenches of life with each of you. This podcast is for military wives who know how to handle the challenges of deployments and frequent trainings, but want to improve the experience that they are having in the process. If you are ready to thrive while your husband is away, then you are in the right place. We're going to start out our episode with a battle buddy moment from Yelser14. This is a review for the podcast and it says, inspiring and relatable. This podcast helped me learn to be more self-aware and to think about the thoughts that are controlling my actions. Jessie isn't afraid to speak about what she has struggled with and she discusses how to overcome struggles we face personally. Instead of being a victim of our thoughts and actions, we can thrive. Thank you so much for leaving that review and please everybody keep them coming. I really appreciate it when you take the time to do that. So this review leads us perfectly into what we're talking about today, which is challenges. So I love that word challenges and I use it very intentionally. I used to call hard things in life trials almost exclusively and now I pretty intentionally call them challenges because I know that the way that I think about the hard things that happen in my life really affects the way that I process them, that I handle them, and that I grow from them. So some other words that you might use to describe these parts of your lives would be uh, struggles, difficulties, trials, and discomfort. A couple of years ago, I was analyzing this topic And I determined that there are three sources that our challenges come from. The first source are our decisions. So decisions that I make for myself will bring challenges upon me, whether the decision is a good one or the decision is a bad one. Both kinds of decisions can bring challenges. So if I make bad decisions, I have to deal with the bad consequences of that decision. And a lot of times when I make good decisions, I have to face the challenges that accompany that decision, even even when it's a good one. And I'll give you some examples of that in a minute. The second source are other people's decisions. This one is often quite a bit more difficult and painful to deal with. Not always, but often. And so this is when, because everyone in the world is allowed to make their own decisions, inevitably other people's decisions often affect our own lives. And I'll give you some examples of that again in a moment. And the third source is merely because we have mortal human bodies and we live on an earth where natural challenges occur. So now I'm going to give you some examples from my life personally. As I was making this list, I asked myself, what experiences in my life have been hard, have taught me things, and have I grown to be a different person on the other side of them? And so here's what I came up with. Moving a lot as a little kid, having a mom who was sick so much of the time, choosing to take advanced classes in high school, injuries and knee surgeries in high school from playing soccer and other sports, moving my junior year of high school, dating, deciding to go to college and get a four-year degree, the death of multiple grandparents, the deaths of multiple friends, getting married and being married, deciding to start businesses, being a mom and having kids, the death of my son, being a military wife, breaking my leg during Brad's deployment, car accidents, when my wedding ring was stolen, and Brad's deployments. So as you can see from that list, 
each of those hard things in my life come from one of those three sources or sometimes more than one of those at the same time. Parts of it might have been from my decision. Parts of it might have been from other people's decisions. I think that it's really helpful to just get a little bit clear on that and to see, to simplify it in a way. It gives you a little more power over it, a little more control over it in an area of your life that might feel not very in your control. So now let's talk about why we have challenges in our lives. I believe that we have challenges to increase our humility, to increase our vulnerability. I believe that we have challenges to create more connection with ourselves, with other people who've also experienced it, and with our higher power. I believe that challenges increase our perspective, and that is such a valuable thing to gain from a challenge. I believe that challenges make us stronger and increase our resiliency. I believe that challenges are what give us experience in this life. I believe that challenges give purpose to this life. And in fact, I believe that one of the biggest reasons we're in this life is to go through challenges. I also believe that experiencing challenges is the currency for our dreams. I heard a concept recently that I loved because I've sort of always heard that this life is a test and I heard someone say recently, this life is not a test, it's actually a classroom. And I love thinking of each part of my life as a different class with new textbooks, with new classmates, with different things that I'm set to learn. And it really helps me shift my focus from get it right or else you'll get a bad grade (laughs) to what can I learn in this classroom, from this class, from these teachers, from my classmates from my homework, from my textbooks. That's every challenge we face is a classroom. That's a powerful concept that I've loved pondering recently. My cousin Evangeline just posted this quote on her Facebook feed and I loved it. It's from Eleanor Roosevelt. And she says, you gain strength, courage, and confidence by every experience in which you really stop to look fear in the face You're able to say to yourself, I lived through this horror. I can take the next thing that comes along. You must do the thing you think you cannot do. I have a physical therapy analogy that I love and it helps me remember why we're meant to face challenges in this life. So for me, I believe in God and his son, Jesus Christ. And when I ponder things like the purpose of life and the purpose of trials and For me, the answer to that has God in it and has my Savior Jesus Christ in it. And so here's my physical therapy analogy. The way this life was designed by God was for us to experience challenges. And sometimes people will say, oh, you know, God, if God was all powerful, then he wouldn't have let this happen. I can't believe in a God who would let thousands of people die from this earthquake or this tsunami or this terrorist attack, or I can't believe in a God who would allow babies or young children to get cancer, to be abused, or any of the awful things that happen in the world. And here's how I see it. So when God designed this earth, designed what the mortal experience would be like, what it needed to be like, he knew that we needed challenges in order for us to experience what we're meant to experience in this life and for us to become who we're meant to become and to learn from the classroom. And he could say to us when we when we have our time here on earth, he could say, I highly recommend that you go through some really hard things while you're down there, but it's totally up to you. How many of us would choose 
hard things. We wouldn't. And so he created a life and a mortal existence where they naturally occur, like from those three sources. They naturally occur from the choices we make. They naturally occur from the choices other people make. And they naturally occur from being mortal and from living on, you know, like I said, the earth where there's natural disasters and the laws of physics. So the way this relates to physical therapy is that if you've ever experienced intense physical therapy, you know that it requires a lot of work and a lot of pain to get the desired result. So for example, uh, after my after I broke my leg and had my surgeries, I had to go through months of physical therapy to get the mobility in my leg back and build up the strength in the muscles that I had lost and to be able to bend it all the way and straighten it all the way. I had to do a lot of physical therapy. So it was truly the most painful thing I've ever experienced in my life going through that process. It was more painful than childbirth. It was more painful than breaking my leg. It was more painful than surgery. It's, it sounds dramatic, but that's that was my experience. And what was hard about it was that it felt optional. I mean, I know I wanted to have the end result of my flexibility and my mobility back in my in my knee joint and in my ankle joint, but it did feel like I was inflicting this pain upon myself where when, you know, an injury occurs or something, it's happening, you can't stop it. But I was choosing to walk into that physical therapy office and let them work on my leg and hurt me. And then they would send me home with homework to hurt myself. (laughs) I had to bend and stretch and strengthen and do all these things that hurt so badly as, as I did it. And so they would say, okay, here's what, you know, I want you to do this every day to, you know, help you get this mobility back. And I can say that I was never as good at hurting myself as they were at hurting me. And that's why it was so important for me to go into the physical therapist's office three times a week, because while I was, you know, helping the process and making some progress on my own, most of the progress was made by what they did to me and the way they worked on my knee in the office. And that goes right along with, you know, Heavenly Father could have said to us, if you want your bent leg to be able to bend and go all the way straight, you need to go and do this hard thing, hurt yourself in this way, you know, for, for to go along with the physical therapy analogy. And we just wouldn't have done it in the way that we needed to, to have this full human experience. And so what an amazing plan that he had to create a world where it happened naturally so that the classrooms would come. We don't need to seek them out. And sometimes, like I mentioned, we do seek them out in that we we take on big experiences like getting married and having kids and starting businesses. You know, some of those things that I listed and some of those things we sign up for. And we know that when we welcome that discomfort into our lives, that it is what helps us achieve our dreams. But a lot of it is happening to us. We don't need to seek it out. It will just happen to us. And so I like to remember that physical therapy analogy when I want to be remembering the point and the purpose and the love that I know that my Heavenly Father has for me in the way that this life was designed and the way that our mortal experience and our human experience was set up. So the reason that I'm talking about this today in this episode is because the more you understand what challenges are and why we face them, the more you can get clear on it. And like I said earlier, gain some control over something that feels sort of out of your control and really get some power over it. And And I love the way I've been able to open up to the challenging experiences as they come. And one of my favorite thoughts that I know I've talked about in previous episodes is nothing has gone wrong here. And as I've offered this thought to my clients, 
It's taken a little bit of explaining, and even though I'm sure I've already explained it, I'm going to just explain it again. Nothing has gone wrong here does not mean that this isn't hard. It means it's exactly hard, and it's exactly supposed to be hard. It means that it's acknowledging that it's hard, and that that's not a bad thing, and that doesn't mean that it was supposed to ever be different. It helps me own my life for exactly the way that it's happening, and to rise up to each challenge as it comes. Because the moment that I wish it were different, or that I think something's gone wrong, or that I feel like something's unfair, that's when I lose control over it. And I don't want to lose control over the challenges in my life. I want to open myself up to the experience, to the classroom, to learn and grow from it, to become exactly who I was always meant to be by going through that challenge, by experiencing that discomfort and that struggle and be strengthened by it. I want to read to you guys a page out of my textbook from Life Coach School, and this book was written by Brooke Castillo, and this is talking about the purpose of negative experiences in our lives. And she says, accepting the negative is nothing like condoning it. What it does is bring the negative out in the light of day. So many clients have never spoken of abuse because it isn't supposed to be happening, but it is happening in so many families all around the world. What if we all knew abuse happens as part of the human experience and we all talked about it more openly? We would understand it more and there would be less shame to compound the suffering. This applies to all things negative and all things human. Humans are a terrible mess half the time. Most of us know this is true in our own lives, but we spend a lot of time pretending it isn't. We hide and resist that part of us that is dark. This pulls us away from consciousness. And I'll just pause here and add that a note I wrote on the side of this is that we also lie to ourselves that it isn't true in other people's lives, meaning When she says most of us know this is true in our own lives, but we spend a lot of time pretending that it isn't. Along with that, we lie to ourselves saying that it isn't true in other people's lives, that we're the only ones that are a terrible mess half the time and everyone else has it figured out. Brooke goes on to say, In our effort to be happy all the time, we stay away from discomfort that could help us evolve and inspire us to make our dreams come true. We would be willing to fail epically and try courageously if we accepted that emotional balance means that 50% of the time will be on the other side of happy. That is the normal human experience. How do we reconcile living a life where we're responsible for what we think and feel while also embracing that half of our life will be hard and painful? Consciously and deliberately. We get to select our emotions on purpose by what we think. This does not mean we should always be selecting emotions that are happy and positive. When our clients see that they create their thoughts and emotions, they start feeling guilty for not being happier. Again, they believe that happiness and positivity 100% of the time is the goal. It is not the goal. This is a misunderstanding. The goal is humanness to live the human experience as well as we can, knowing that it includes a lot of contrast on purpose. Choose humanness over happiness to have more peace. When someone dies, and people will, we want to feel grief, even though we know death is part of the human experience. When someone abuses us, we want to feel angry, even though we know abuse is part of the human experience. When we lose, we want to feel disappointed, even though we know this feeling is optional. We want to feel horrified when the negative happens, not because it shouldn't be part of our experience, but because it is part of our experience. I love that last part because I have found that as I coach my clients, they're either, they often find themselves being 
overly affected by an experience that they're having, meaning they're they're lost in it, they're drowning in it, they're, they, they feel like they can't catch a break, they can't catch their breath, they're adding extra suffering on top of the normal amount of suffering that will occur with challenging experiences. And then they think that the solution to that is to seek to be unaffected by the experience. And so I help them find that middle ground of we absolutely want to be affected by awful things. We want to feel awful when awful things happen and we want to open up to that experience. That's the happy middle is to not resist it, not avoid it, not buffer against it, not wish it away, not pretend it's not happening, not beat ourselves up in the process. All of that adds extra suffering. And we can't be unaffected by it because we're not robots, we're humans. And so that middle ground is just opening up to the negative experience, allowing it, accepting it, processing it, living it, feeling it all the way through and knowing that nothing has gone wrong. That's so powerful. So I want to take a minute to talk about a couple of current challenges. So specifically in regards to COVID-19. A couple of things that I'm facing here in my life and in my family are the challenges that come from quarantine and the challenges that come from solo parenting. So as you listen to this, I want you to apply this in any way that makes sense for your life because we are all having a variety of experiences when it comes to this particular pandemic. Some of us are struggling with jobs, money, Some of us are sick. Some of us are struggling with our mental health. Some of our marriages are struggling. So many of you I know and I I think about you and pray for you every day are struggling with your plans and upheaval, whether that means your husband is still deployed when he was supposed to come home weeks ago or you were supposed to PCS this summer and now you have no idea when you'll be going. All of that is so difficult and I just want you to open up to feeling the difficulty of that. So I'm going to address, like I said, the two main things happening for me and hope that it will apply in your life in your own way. So the first thing I want to talk about is my actually going to be my in the trenches moment for this episode. And it's partly from self-coaching I did and partly from a session that I did where I got coached. I'm in Brooke Castillo's self-coaching scholars program. And so every week I get a one-on-one coaching session. And I brought this topic up to the person who was coaching me and she really helped me gain some awareness, get a handle on what I was experiencing and find some alternative thoughts that I could spend time thinking and believing. So the problem that I was having was having Brad being away for military training. For the most part, I'm okay with it. For the day-to-day, we're doing okay. But the big picture I was really struggling with, I, I struggle when we have such big important experiences when we're apart. I feel like our lives shouldn't change that much when we're apart so that when we come back together it'll be just how it was. I my lower brain definitely has irrational fears around us growing apart while we're away and so if we have these big important experiences when we're apart and we're experiencing them so differently, I really struggle with that and I worry about it. And this one in particular, Brad and I are having polar opposite experiences. So where he is, he's doing his training and flying every day and he interacts with very few people and he has too much time on his hands. While I am here with lots that I need to do and struggling to get it done, struggling to get alone time. So that's the first big variety in our experience. And the other thing that was challenging for me was this training is going for him exactly how it would have gone if there was no pandemic. 
basically there's there's a few ways that it affects him but for the most part his life goes on pretty much as normal each day and so understandably so he would at times forget what an effect it was having on our life and I would you know we'd be talking on the phone and I would say oh the kids are really missing their friends and he would say oh why don't you set up a play date just in that brief second forgetting that oh of course you know we're, we're quarantining we're not spending time with friends you know and and it would hurt me so much not the fact that he said that because so here's where I would write out some models and get coached on this is when Brad says why don't you let the kids go play with their friends I would make that mean you know we're having this huge experience here and it's not even affecting him there and he's forgetting that we're going through this And he doesn't understand how hard it is. And we're having such different experiences. That was my main thought that was causing me a lot of pain is we're having such different experiences. And I was thinking it in a way that we shouldn't be having different experiences, that that something had gone wrong. I was thinking about it in a way that if things were going the way they were supposed to be going, we'd be having the same experience and we'd be going through it together. That's what I wanted permission to think and believe. But instead, I was spending a lot of time thinking we're having such different experiences and that's a problem. So when I got coached on this, I was able to get a real handle on what that thought was creating for me. And my life coach helped me see that even if he were home quarantined with us, we'd be having a different experiences. Each person in my household right now is having a different experience from one another. That's the way it goes. That's always how it will be. Another reason this was a little bit sensitive for me is when I broke my leg when Brad was deployed. That was another time when we had such different experiences. He obviously was aware of what was going on, but he wasn't there to experience it with me. And he could have an understanding of how hard it was, but he, I just, it just felt like he missed it. And so when this was happening again... I realized there was some work I needed to do on that story as well, because as I could now see that that truth of even if he had been home when I broke my leg, we'd have such different experiences of that challenge. Even if he were home for this pandemic and this quarantine, we would still have such different experiences of this challenge. And so nothing has gone wrong. My lower brain had identified a problem that wasn't even a problem. It was saying he should be here so that you can have the same experience. But that's not even the case. It's not even true. And it's not the goal. The goal is not to have the same experience. The goal for me, at least I've identified, the goal is for me to be able to think and believe that no matter what experiences we're having, we're all in this together. And another way that I was able to identify this thought for me, this new powerful thought for me, that we're all in this together, or Brad and I are in this together, was when I was able to identify that when I was home and quarantining, I was imagining everyone else home and quarantining. I mean, I knew there were people that had to leave their houses to go to work, but I really was imagining everyone's at home you know, weathering this out. We're all in this together. And so then from time to time, when I do leave my house and I see how many people are not at home and not necessarily for very necessary reasons. For example, I went to Costco to get groceries and the Lowe's parking lot was packed, just absolutely packed. Now it's fine. Everyone can go to Lowe's. That's totally fine. But I started to think just basically the opposite of we're all in this together. I started to think, well, some people are quarantining and some people are going out and everyone's doing this differently and we should all be doing it the same. You know, I started to have some of those kinds of thoughts. Like, what's the point of me and my family quarantining if all these people are just going out and doing home improvement projects? And so this 
while a, a totally different model was a similar idea that my lower brain thought that the right way to go about hard experience is for us to all have the same experience. But truly, all I needed and all I wanted to believe and what brought me so much comfort was to believe that we're supposed to be having different experiences. We're supposed to interpret the information that we have differently. We're supposed to have a variety of opinions. That is the human experience. And as humans, we're all in this together. That's been so powerful to remind myself of as I am tempted to go the way of, the, of my old models. For example, when I talk to Brad and, you know, like I said, he'll forget something or he'll make a comment that shows me he's having a very different experience than me. And my lower brain says, "Uh oh, you know, red flag or, you know, he's having a very different experience. And then I remind myself, no, we're in a pandemic together. We're going through this together. We're in this together. And I believe it. And I spend time thinking it so that it's easy for me to believe. And I feel so strengthened and comforted by that thought, realizing that as humans, we're all in this together. As husband and wife, we're in this together. As the parents of these kids, as the ones who are in charge of making decisions over this household, whether he's here or there, we're in this together. So I wanted to offer that to you guys in case that you're having frustrating experiences like that, where you're creating that feeling of frustrated for yourself with thoughts like, People should be doing this differently. We should all be reacting the same way and believing the same thing or, or any any version of that that makes sense for you. That's been really comforting to me. So the other part of COVID-19 that's been challenging are, is the solo parenting. So I want to give you guys some parenting tips that have really been helping me. Whether you're solo parenting in normal life or solo parenting in quarantine, these tips will hopefully help you as they've been helping me. So the first thing that I've been doing is taking a look at my definition of what a good mom does. And I've been noticing this in my clients as well. I'll catch myself and I'll catch them saying, I should be enjoying my kids more. Uh, A good mom, you know, they don't always say it exactly in these words and neither do I. It's usually a little sneakier, like instead of saying, oh, a good mom would enjoy her kids all the time. Instead, we say, I shouldn't get mad at my kids. I shouldn't be frustrated or annoyed. I should be taking advantage of this time. You know, it's usually a little bit sneakier and it's being judgmental and critical and hard on ourselves. So I've been really intentionally creating the definition of what a good mom is for myself. And I've been offering this to my clients as well. So here's what I've come up with. A good mom hangs out with her kids and sometimes she enjoys it and sometimes she doesn't. And whether she's enjoying it or not, she spends time with them. A good mom spends time away from her kids, and takes really good care of herself. A good mom tries not to yell at her kids, but sometimes she yells. A good mom is a human being who makes mistakes, and she owns up to those mistakes and is quick and ready to apologize. A good mom sometimes cooks dinner and sometimes lets the kids eat cereal for dinner. A good mom asks for help when she needs it. A good mom is kind to herself and kind to her kids. A good mom knows that everyone's definition of a good mom is different. I have a quote for you guys from a recent Grey's Anatomy episode that I loved. I don't know if you guys watch this show, but it's one of my guilty pleasures. I love it. And one of the doctors goes up to another doctor and she had just come off of maternity leave. And I think she came off of maternity leave a little early and she said, oh, I hated maternity leave. I must be a bad mom because she was so anxious to get back to work. And the other doctor turns to her and just says, I didn't like maternity leave either, and I'm an amazing mom. And I love that line because 
we're looking for external things to show us if we're a good mom or not. And the first mom was saying, oh, like I I was excited to come back to work and I didn't want to be home with my baby 24-7 anymore. That must mean I'm a bad mom. And the other mom, the other doctor who was a mom and had more experience, had realized that she decides what makes her a good mom. And it's not about enjoying or not enjoying maternity leave. And I just love that she was able to say that to that new mom and say, I'm an amazing mom and I didn't like maternity leave either. You know, we just decide for ourselves. It's completely available to us. And I love, love, love that quote. So I want to give you guys permission to believe that you're a good mom. I want you to take time to decide what that means for you so that you can easily believe it because believing it will benefit you and it will benefit the people around you, your children, and it will lead to you being the mom you want to be if you intentionally decide what a good mom is. Make sure it's reasonable. Make sure it's what you actually want. Make sure it's achievable and start setting yourself up for that success instead of setting yourself up for failure by creating these unrealistic standards of what a good mom should do. I had a client say to me, I have all this time with my toddlers and I should be enjoying it more. And I was able to help her see that raising a toddler is not supposed to be enjoyable all the time. It's supposed to be enjoyable parts of the time and really challenging parts of the time. And that was such a big relief to her to realize that, oh, I'll still change their diaper and feed them and take them outside to play and bathe them and do all the things with them, have fun with them and put them to bed and let them watch a show and all the things and know that half of it I will enjoy and love and half of it will be hard and challenging and even annoying and tiring. And I'll just do all the parts anyway. As soon as we take off that pressure of I should be enjoying this more, oh man, we actually really start to enjoy our kids and ourselves and we we let ourselves off the hook for not loving every single behavior they do or every, you know, every part of it. So I wanted to share a funny story with you guys as my hot mess moment for this episode. My kids and I have a running joke that is working so well for us. And it's, it's kind of a funny one. I don't even remember exactly how it started. But one day, we started this joke that my kids attend annoying school. I found myself being so in love with my kids half the time and so annoyed by them half the time and feeling really guilty about the half of the time when I was annoyed with them. Because I thought at the time, this was years ago, I thought good moms aren't annoyed by their kids. Good moms love their kids all the time. And then one day I realized it's okay to be annoyed by my kids. They're really annoying sometimes. And you know what? That's exactly what they're supposed to be. They are supposed to be childish and immature and annoying. And half the time you find it funny and adorable. And half the time it makes you want to run away. (laughs) So I like to give myself permission to be annoyed with my children in almost a comical way, in, a, in an amusing, loving, but absolutely annoyed way. And I want to give you guys this permission too. So you can totally borrow this trick if this is helpful for you. So how it goes is when my kids do something annoying, we just make this little joke of, oh, is that what you studied today in annoying school? And then they laugh and I laugh. And it's this kind of loving way for me to acknowledge, yeah, this is one of the annoying parts and it's totally okay for me to be annoyed by it. And they realize, oh yeah, that was kind of annoying behavior, but that's okay. I can be annoying. It gives them permission to be annoying and it gives me permission to feel annoyed by their behavior. So a couple of recent examples, 
and I mean, you guys give yourself a break because this is what it's like to live with toddlers and 10 year olds and teenagers. It's really hard at times. So we had pizza a couple weeks ago and my four year old, I know she doesn't like pepperoni. So I got her a piece of cheese pizza. I put it on a plate and I said, here's some cheese pizza for you. And she said, I don't want cheese pizza. I want that other kind. And she pointed the pepperoni and I said, okay. So I gave her a piece of the pepperoni and she sat down and just immediately pulled off all the pieces of pepperoni. And I said, what are you doing? And she said, well, I want pepperoni. I just don't want all these circles on it. I just thought, oh, she must have learned that in annoying school. And I don't say it to her because she doesn't get it yet. But I just think it to myself and chuckle. Um, This morning, my two-year-old, she normally loves to be naked or run around in her in her underwear or just like a shirt and underwear and it actually is helpful right now because I recently potty trained her and when she doesn't have any pants in the way she can go to the bathroom more easily by herself so in the morning we get up get her a drink of milk and just get our day going and she immediately wants to be able to just run around without her pjs on and so this morning I did what we always do. And I said, okay, you know, you just feel free to run around in your shirt and, and underwear. And she lost her mind. She was screaming and bawling and sobbing. And I could not figure out what was wrong. She couldn't quite find the words to tell me. And I finally was able to get her comforted and calmed down. And she was able to tell me in kind of her broken two-year-old way that she wanted her pants back on. I mean, I'm talking weeks and weeks of us doing this since I potty trained her of, you know, right when you get up, we go to the bathroom and then you get to run around all day with no pants on. And she loves it and begs for it. And this morning I just went for that normal thing and took her pants off and said, okay, go for it. And she lost her mind. And I just said, oh, I'm so sorry. And I put her pants on and she ran off happy as can be. I mean, this is what we're dealing with, you guys. Uh, With my older kids, it's things more like the worst noises you could ever possibly imagine in the world. I don't even know where they come up with these noises. Like I couldn't be, I couldn't make that noise if I was trying. I couldn't be that annoying if I was focused on it. This is where that annoying school comes in. They're so proficient at it. You know, it's almost like a compliment. You, you're you so skilled at being annoying. Another thing they'll do is I'll say, you know, make sure to clean up your mess and they'll go and, and wipe the counter or whatever where they, they made a mess in the kitchen and they'll leave like a stripe of grated cheese. They'll wipe everything but that stripe. And honestly, they're not doing it on purpose. They just didn't see it and they miss it. And I walk in the kitchen and it's not uh, like I need it to be perfect, but I just think, man, they must have learned that in annoying school because the, you know, the lesson that day was clean up your mess, but leave one big patch of it. You know, it's just so funny that it feels like it would have to take effort to take those actions, but it comes so naturally to them. So anyway, that's my hot mess moment of my kids attend annoying school pretty much daily and they love to share with me what they're learning in annoying school and we all love to laugh about it and it makes me feel much more relieved to love my kids half the time and be very annoyed by them half the time and just laugh and love the whole thing and be open to the whole experience. That's the 50-50 for sure. Okay, we're going to end with your mission for the episode, which is to make a little list of the challenges that have come up for you in your life that you've that have been hard that you've grown through that you've suffered through that are resolved that are unresolved and just start to take a look at them and see which 
category they fall in, which source they come from. Were they from your decisions? Were they from other people's decisions? Or they be just simply because you're a human being? And see if this exercise helps you get just a little bit more power over your past, over your over your challenges and your trials, and see if there are any painful stories in there that uh, need need some attention, need some rewriting. And finally, uh, as we get some clarity on the challenges we've experienced in our lives and how nothing has gone wrong and how we're opening up to that part of life that we're not meant to live a life where we avoid trials. We're meant to, we're also not meant to live life where we seek them, but we're meant to open up to the experience, open up to the good and open up to the bad welcome it in because we know how to handle it all. And so I invite you to open up that way. Open up to the experiences that your life has been. Open up to the experiences that you're currently having and open up to what is coming in your future. It's going to be amazing. It's an amazing classroom, you guys. Classroom after classroom of amazing experiences. And I can't wait for what's ahead. And I can't wait for you guys, for all that you will create and all that you will experience. And that's what I have for you today. So thank you so much for making time in your day to listen to this episode. If you are enjoying this podcast, please go to my website, simplyresilient.net to download my free guide to thriving during deployment. I also love when you share this podcast with your friends and rate and review it. Remember that when we choose to intentionally manage our minds, we go from feeling mentally miserable to feeling like a mental warrior. You've got this. I'll talk to you soon. Over and out.